So it's uh, with great honor that we have a guest preacher today once again. Tom Hampel has been a good friend of mine for many years now, probably for at least 10 years or more. And Tom and I um, have worked together. We worked at Camp St. Christopher together before I went to seminary. And then eventually Tom uh, left Camp St. Christopher and he went to seminary too. Uh, and so Tom, uh, we've known each other a long time. He's at the same seminary I went to right now. And he's been interning this summer at Holy Cross, much as Zach Miller interned last summer at Holy Cross, uh, mostly with us on Daniel Island. He's been mostly down at Sullivan's Island this summer. But when I heard he was coming, I asked him if he would come and preach here, and he agreed to do that. So I'm excited that you will get to hear from him. I just want to pray for him right now. So come on up, Tom, and I'm going to let you preach. Lord, I thank you for my brother, Tom. I thank you for the friendship we have and for the many years of serving together at camp and uh, Holy Cross and also at Bridge Church as well. I'm grateful for just the love he has and uh, just the way that um, you have led him to seminary, Lord. It's a clear the call in his life uh, to be a pastor of your people. So, Lord, would you bless him now? And would you speak to us through your word? Would he proclaim what you would have us here today? Give us ears to listen, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Jonathan did a great introduction, although he, he missed, he's a little bit off on the time. And I've actually, I think I've known you for almost 20 years. We came to faith here at Holy Cross back in 2003. And um, we're members for about seven or eight years before we went to the cathedral downtown because my wife Kelly began working there. But it was very difficult to leave. I remember a meeting with John Burrell. I was crying. <laughs> I think my wife was laughing because I was crying, but that's what, that's what we do. And anyhow, this is a very special place for us and our family, um, and I'm honored to be here um, to share God's word with you this morning, and I'm going to jump right in because uh, I tend to go long, and I'm going to try to honor Jonathan because he says he will let me know, and I know he will because I know Jonathan, so I'm going to try to beat Jonathan to the punch here. So today, we're on the third and final part of the series called The Call. The first week, John Burwell was here, and he talked to you about what it means to follow as a disciple of Christ, the call to follow. Last week, Jonathan spoke to you about what does it mean to be formed by Christ and for ministry and as a disciple. This week, we see what Jesus has to teach us about the call to fulfill. Um, I like to look at this as what is our mission as disciples of Christ, as believers of Christ. Now, our mission, we have to realize, is part of the grand mission of God, and the mission of God has been, from the very beginning, is to redeem humanity, redeem all humanity, and reconcile us to him. And he had a very simple plan, and that is to send his son, Jesus. Jesus is the plan to reconcile everybody to God. And Jesus knew this, and we should know this. Jesus tells us in John's gospel that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me except through the Father. Jesus is the way. He's still the way. He is the only way. We read in previous chapters of Luke that as Jesus revealed his identity and his purpose, crowds began to gather, and you know, there's a famous line with the Beatles where they said, well, we're, we're, we're greater than Jesus. We're bigger than Jesus. Well, that, they're pointing to the fact that as Jesus was going through the countryside, there were these throngs of people who just, were just clamoring to be around him to see the great things he was doing. Who was this person? It perplexed Herod, who had executed his cousin John the Baptist not long ago. Herod actually thought that maybe John the Baptist had come back to life. Who was this man who was just raising up all these people out in the countryside? So as the crowds grew and, and Jesus continued on his journey to Jerusalem, 
Only Jesus knew and God our Father that this was a walk to death. This was a, a journey to the cross. So let's pick up our story in chapter 10 of Luke's Gospel. And it's on our scripture sheet where I just misplaced mine. Here it is. Our reading starts off by saying, after this. Well, you don't have to go to seminary to know. When he says after this, we should probably see what came before this. And the thing that came before this isn't too far back, but it's just our reading, our first reading that we had that John Burwell preached to you on. And there we talked about what does it mean to follow Christ. And Jesus spoke specifically about the high cost and commitment that is required to follow Jesus. It is not easy. He must be our top priority, our utmost priority. He requires complete and utter devotion to him and to his ways. And following him is going to be full of uncertainty and likely hardship if we are following him the way we're supposed to follow him. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> Where can you sign up? Well, it's amazingly, 72 people did sign up. He appointed these 72 as we meet them in Scripture. These 72 followed them on the same mission that Jesus had sent the, the original 12 disciples out in, in, back in chapter 9. And they, after they came back with wondrous stories as they preached the gospel and healed the sick, people were gathering around Jesus, and a lot of people wanted to, wanted to be around Jesus and be his followers. And those some of the people he rebuked at the end of chapter 9 by letting them know and reminding them of the high cost of following him. So the 72 receive almost the same exact mission, worded a little bit differently in, in Luke chapter 10, and that is to go out to proclaim the gospel, to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. And this is the mission. This is still the mission. This is our mission. This is your mission. It's my mission. If you are a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ, we are to proclaim the gospel we are to heal the sick. Not because God needs us, but because God chose us. This was his plan from the beginning, from for eternity, that he would create a people. And he would use those very people to bring them back to him after they had fallen away. Our mission is part of God's mission. We're instruments in God's mission. We're ambassadors of his message and his mission. And what is a mission, an ambassador? Well, ambassador, in a secular sense, we know, is just somebody who represents a country. He's appointed and goes off to a foreign land, and he represents the interests and the position of the country that appointed him. And the, his, the ambassador's role is to reflect the one who sent him or the ones who sent him. So what does it mean to be an ambassador of Christ? Well, Paul tells us a little bit about this in his second letter to the Corinthians, where he writes... All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Our words, our actions, through us. Jesus affirms this and clarifies this in his prayer to his father in John chapter 17. And he says this, he says, I ask not only on behalf of these, his current disciples, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through them, the future disciples, that they all may be one, 
as you, Father, and I are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is a high calling. It's our words and our actions that God is calling to bring his kingdom. The mission, your mission, our mission, is to make disciples. We're to be disciples who make disciples. And I know, if you're a member of Holy Cross, this is not something you haven't heard before. It's your mission statement. If you you go to your website, we are to be a community of disciples making disciples. And it's a great mission statement. But we have to remember that it's God's mission statement first. And we should probably be thankful that you have a people in leadership here who realize that your mission statement should be God's mission statement, right? <laughs> you are, after all, a church. That's not always the case. It also doesn't feel like the case. Sometimes our focus seems to be different. So we, as his disciples, are called to proclaim and deliver the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. And I know this is where some of you are probably wanting to check out because you're thinking, okay, that's not for me. That may be great for Jonathan or Tom or other people who wear collars or the professionals, but that's not for me. Well, the bad news is there's no exception in Jesus' command and his instructions to the disciples. He quite simply says, we are all called. I can feel the anxiety and the tension in the room. (laughs) The hearts start to beat fast. Your palms are sweating. And you're thinking, oh, no, not me. And this is what happens when we're being pushed forced to do something that we don't want to do. It's not our heart's desire. Now, many of us, and I should ask, how many of us have experienced the dread of being forced or just thinking about being forced to do something that we just don't want to do? We just, we're full of dread that gives rise to fear and all kinds of emotions. I know something about that in seminary. There's a lot of things that I didn't necessarily want to do, writing all the papers, standing before my classmates on, uh, for several semesters and, and, and preaching before them. It's hard. But one of the great gifts that I have from my time at, in seminary is, is the community that's around me. And one of the people who I've become friends with up there has sort of helped me with this breakthrough in my thinking and how I approach ministry and helped me to get over this fear of stepping out and, and, and pushing through and, and doing things that are outside of my comfort zone. And the key to this breakthrough was an adjustment of my perspective and my disposition about who I am in Christ. So my friend's name is Herb, and Herb operates a ministry out of a coffee shop slash cafe in a town called Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Aliquippa is just like the town we live in, Ambridge. It's a former steel town, and ever since the steel mills closed down, it's just been completely buried in poverty. The economy is still not recovered. Um, This coffee shop is on the main strip in town, and it's one of the few businesses that even looks like it's open on the town. This, this cafe and this coffee shop is for the people in that town, most of who cannot afford to even buy something in this coffee shop. They actually serve full meals there, and people, it's not uncommon for people to come and actually work in the coffee shop. They're hungry, and Herb will say, well, come on in. I'll put you to work for an hour, and they'll earn their dinner, which may, on one hand, sound like, well, what's he making them work for the food for? But Herb knows something about people's dignity and what it means. Um, 
to earn something and not to be living on people's handouts with so many people in poverty are just devastated and, and have a, just their whole sense of self-worth lessened by the fact they've got to line up for handouts. You know, so many of us just think that they're just they're lazy people and they don't want to do it. But I can tell you that being around more and more people who are in poverty, that's the exception than the rule. Most of these people do not want to be there. So Rob, um, excuse me, Herb is about six foot seven. He has, so he's about this tall. He towers over me. He's got dreadlocks down to the middle of his back. He rides a Harley Davidson, and he's a member of a bike uh, cycle club or bikers club. I don't even know how to say it because I, I ride I ride bicycles. When I say bike, we mean two completely different things. He laughs at me. Called the Remnant Sons. And um, these guys go out to biker rallies and preach the gospel. There's some of the most pagan-filled communities on the planet are, are some of these bike clubs. Not all of them. There's several Christian bike clubs that, he, that I've come to learn about through him. You see, Herb has something going on inside him, and it's evident when you meet him. You can't have help but spend a few minutes around him and know there's something different about him. And the thing that's different about Herb is this joy that just exudes from him and this confidence that just flows from him and being where God has called him to be. So one of the things that you'll notice about Herb if you're around him for any bit of time, if you get over him towering over you, is he always wears this bracelet. This bracelet has three words on it. It says, I get to, dot, dot, dot. I get to, dot, dot, dot. Now, of course, the reason why he has this bracelet on is he wants you to ask him, what does that mean? <laughs> and it's very hard not to do it. You're a little nervous about talking to her. Maybe you're following to come out of your, your comfort zone. You get the courage to say, okay, I, what is that? Why do you have that bracelet on? Well, Herb lights up. And Herb begins to tell you, well, let me tell you why this means. Well, you see, because I've been saved by Jesus Christ, I get to have this awesome ministry in Aliquippa. I get to tell people how Jesus saved me from a life of addiction and brokenness. I get to walk alongside other people who are broken and suffering from the things that I suffer from and tell them about the Savior of the world and how they, too, can walk in freedom I get to, he says over and over again. I get to, I get to. And he can go on and on and on and on with these I get to's. And it's just amazing. And he says these things with such conviction. And such a, just a deep appreciation from who he is. As one who walks redeemed and reconciled to God. Not because of anything he do, had done or could do. He knows it's only by the blood of Jesus that he can stand there. And he can say, I get to. I think above all, Herb has this acute awareness of the gravity and the cost of what Christ suffered on his behalf when he was dead to his transgressions. As Jesus took on the sins of the world, the sins of Herb, and the sins of each one of us, from this flows immense supernatural gratitude supernatural change in perspective that allows you to do things you would never dreamt you'd see you'd 
be doing before. Stepping out of your comfort zone is not something, an exception. It's the, it's the rule. And friends, it's a privilege to be a disciple of Christ, to be an ambassador of Christ. And it's from this place of total gratitude for God's love for us, for his perfect, unimaginable love for us, for you and for me and for the world. As we walk in that perfect love, fear is cast out. And you and I, we can all confidently say, I get to be an ambassador for Christ. I get to. So let's take a look at our passage today and see what it looks like when we look at it from the perspective of someone who gets to respond to the call of God, the call to each one of us to go on mission for Jesus and our Father in heaven. So verse 1 we read, it's all here on your little handout if you want to follow along. After the Lord appointed the 72 and sent them ahead two by two into every town, in a place where he himself was about to go. Well, friends, we can say, I get to be appointed, that I am chosen by God to represent him in the world. I get to go ahead and represent Jesus Christ, the one who saved me, the one to pay for my sins and their sins. He sends us two by two. We get to do this in community. I get to do this with my brothers and my sisters, this new family I have in Christ, that in itself is such a gift. I don't have to do it alone. We shouldn't do it alone. And even more so than the, the men who have originally heard this message, on this side of the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost, we get to have Jesus come alongside us through his spirit. He says wherever two or more of us are, he is there with us. That should give us great confidence He had another privilege to walk alongside Jesus. In verse 2 we read, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. I get to pray to God, to the King of Kings. I get to pray to him. He tells me to pray to him, to reach out to him. For help to expand the Lord, to expand the, the, the harvest. I get to be part of the harvest. God co-labors with us in all that we do on his behalf. And we get to, we must pray to him and seek his guidance in all that we do. In verse 3. And this is one that really hits home for, for us and for me. He says, Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. We don't need much explanation about that one. And the world has not changed at all since Jesus' time when it comes to how those who are opposed to the gospel respond to the gospel and those who would carry the gospel. There's great persecution still in this world. Nothing like we could even imagine in this country. But even just a simple fact of just mentioning that you're a Christian is almost a dirty word these days. Which it was back in the days when the word came about. It was not a word of endearment when this, they first started using the word Christian. 
So we have not come far in that respect. But you see, the good news for us is that we get to do it with God's protection, is assurance that he's looking out over us, and to know that we are not going to receive our reward here, but we have a reward in heaven for the suffering that we do on behalf of God. Listen to what Jesus says about this in the Gospel of Matthew. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who are before you. If that doesn't give, encourage you and give you some boldness to go out. And share the good news of Jesus Christ. He then tells us in verse 4 that we should carry no money, no bag, no backpack, and no sandals. Folks, we get to rely on God to provide everything that we need. He wants us to be singularly focused on Him, not to rely on other people, other things, to do what we need to do. To do what we're called to do. I get to rely on God in all things, in all ways. In verse 5, he says, Whenever you enter a house, please say, Peace be to this house. I get to proclaim the blessing of peace. You don't understand what a huge blessing and honor that was in, back in Jesus' day. To be able to proclaim shalom over someone's house, that is like the greatest blessing ever. Something only God can do. And he's saying, Bless this house. Proclaim shalom over this house. And he says to remain in that house when you get there, eating and drinking what they provide for you. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. You see, we get to rely on people's generosity as we go out and do the Lord's work. I've had to rely on God's generosity to get me to seminary and to get me through seminary. <laughs> Amen, my wife said. But we're not to feel guilty about relying on other people's generosity. Some people are called to participate in your ministry and to participate in their mission, the mission, by supporting other people who are going out on the mission. So you could breathe a little sigh of relief. Not everybody is called to go out off to these crazy places or to stand on a street corner and evangelize the people as they walk by. Perhaps it's part of your call. In verse 9, we're told to heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. A little different wording than we heard in, in chapter 9 when Jesus tells them just to preach the gospel, declare the kingdom, and heal the sick. But the message is the same to us. We get to pray for people to be healed. And some of us may have a gift of healing where you can, I don't have that gift. Some people are known to be able to pray for people and have lots of people be healed in response to their prayers. Most of us don't. But God still tells us we're to pray. And people are healed through our prayers. 
And we get to pray for people. And it's an honor and a privilege to be able to pray for people who need to hear about God's love for them. Through our prayers, people are comforted just by the virtual fact that we sit next to them and offer and take the time to offer to pray for them. Sometimes that is the very healing that they need. A hand on the shoulder. I heard somebody tell me a story one time about doing ministry downtown and how a man told him, thanked him after he came up and prayed for him and he put his hand on his shoulder and he said, you know how long it's been since somebody's touched me? And that's the power and the mission we have. To comfort the afflicted. And to carry the love of God. Jesus ends his charge with the warning and some advice about those who reject the gospel and our message and reject us which will happen, is going to happen. It's, it's, it's assured. And he says, even the dust of your town that clings to you, I'm sorry, let me back up. He says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. So friends, we know and we get to know and rest in the fact that this battle is not ours. This is God's battle. And the work is his to do. We cannot convert hearts and minds. We can proclaim his gospel. Once we have proclaimed his gospel, spoken the words of life to people, and they've heard him, the kingdom has come near. They have been confronted with the kingdom. They have come into the presence of God's word and his message of hope and salvation. We are not responsible for people who reject the gospel. And the last verse paints a dire picture for those people. He says, I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day of Sodom than for that town. And the people of Sodom did not have the benefit of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we do, and those who reject it do. And it will be harder for them. So friends, there's an urgency for us to fulfill our mission and to proclaim the gospel. I get to, you get to, we get to, we must speak and proclaim and share and engage the world with the gospel. I get to. I get to be the hands and the feet and the voice of God to proclaim the greatest news and the greatest message in the history of the world that Jesus Christ has come to save sinners. That he became sin and knew no sin so that you and me might become the righteousness of God. I get to. I get to. You get to. We get to. Together. Now you may be thinking, well, that's all great for you, Tom, and for Herb, and for Jonathan. But it's not for me. Well, as I mentioned earlier, there is no exception to God's prescription of what we're supposed to do in our call. But 
God knows us and he loves us. And he's created us each with unique gifts and talents and ways to reach the lost. Each of us are a part of the body of Christ and we're called to make disciples in different places and in different ways. Talk about Holy Cross talks about we were to go go in and out and off, is it? Is that right? Home. Oh, home? Okay. I was close. The idea is, is that we're to reflect what Scripture tells us to do. Is we're supposed to start at home. Our first responsibility is at home, and then those near to us, and then those far away. Some of us maybe never go far away, actually travel on foreign mission, but we can support people who do. We can pray for them. We can assist them. We can receive them. We can support missionaries when they come back from long-term mission, when they need a place to stay, a place to lay their head. This is the get-to reality of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So now we get to, you get to, prayerfully consider where God is calling you and how God is calling you to be an ambassador for Christ. Perhaps you're called to be a prayer minister, an usher, a greeter, to cook, to be a coach on your child's soccer team, or to be the voice of honesty and integrity at your place of business. And that could be the hardest one of all, to stand up for what is right in a world that tells you what you think is wrong, where you maybe get ridiculed. Standing up for what is right. Standing up for those, for the least of these. Maybe it's all of the above at some point or another. Perhaps you'll be sent off to seminary, although you have to go work at St. Christopher first. <laughs> Apparently that's... that's that's the cycle. <laughs> this week, friends, pray. Pray and ask God, Lord, what do I get to do? What do I get to do as a, as a disciple, as an ambassador of Christ? What do I get to do? So in a few minutes, we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, the great Thanksgiving. You know, in our tradition, we have... It's liturgy that helps us to gather our hearts and our minds and our spirits collectively to worship God, to encounter God, and to remember the truths of the gospel. And at the table is where we really, the rubber hits the road for us as, as believers in Jesus Christ. And I pray that we all come forward every week, but especially today, and partake with a renewed sense of who you are in Christ and what it means be a disciple of Christ as you hear the words that Jonathan will pray over these, these gifts do you have a renewed sense and gratitude of what Jesus has done for you and for me and for the world that we get to stand reconciled with God forever let us pray Father, thank you that because you love us so much, beyond our understanding, that through the death that Jesus Christ suffered on the cross, we are reconciled to you. 
that we get to be your ambassadors of the good news of Jesus Christ in a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Speak to us, Lord. Inspire us, lead us. For Christ's sake and in his holy and precious name, we pray. Amen.